we always learn when God touches us, and God does touch us. The divine mind is very interesting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible. We're very delighted to do that. It's very exciting. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, we're doing that every year, and it's something. Five minutes, we're going to talk about Isaiah 38. This is going to be a good one today. Corey and Ryan are here, Corey. Well, Mom and I are going to discuss Isaiah chapter 38 as well. There's some really interesting things going on, some claims that Hezekiah makes. We're going to take a look at them. Ryan? Well, today I'm talking about that voice Isaiah mentions in chapter 40, crying out in the wilderness. All right. So that's all coming up in about 20 minutes time. So make sure that you stick around for that. Now, in the meantime, take your Bible guide out. If you don't know how to get a hold of yours, don't worry. We'll tell you how to do that in just a moment. But take your Bible guide out and let's learn from reading the Bible, the most important book of all. Isaiah 38, 1 through 16. In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days fifteen years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this is the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. Behold, I will bring the shadow on the sundial, which has gone down with the sun on the sundial of Ahaz, ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees on the dial by which it had gone down. This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. I said, In the prime of my life I shall go to the gates of Sheol. I am deprived of the remainder of my years. I said, I shall not see Yah, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall observe man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. I have cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from the loom. From day until night you make an end of me. I have considered until morning like a lion, so he breaks all my bones. From day until night you make an end of me. Like a crane or a swallow, so I chattered. I mourned like a dove. My eyes fail from looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What shall I say? 
He has both spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live. Isaiah chapter 38, verses 1 through 16. Isaiah chapter 38, chapter 39, and chapter 40 is what we read as we go through the Bible. It is amazing. I love the book of Isaiah. Now, it's good for us to question our hopes and our intentions. Today, let's ask ourselves, what is the ideal that we are most striving for in our lives? Youth, the appearance of youth, health, various successes, long life. All of these things have some merit. But what does God prioritize for us? Eternal life. Becoming a new creation when we surrender our lives to God and ask for his forgiveness is nothing less than that, as the name suggests, transformational. When we see our lives from the perspective of eternity, it has a way of changing what we value now. God has us on a path that will not end when we die. What we do with our lives here on earth surely matters a great deal, but it certainly will not end here when we breathe our last breath. So when Hezekiah heard from God about the physical path that he was on, he was devastated, going to die. God had told him that he was going to die. Why would God do this? Now think about this. What was Hezekiah supposed to learn through this. This is a fascinating story, let me tell you. I've often wondered when Isaiah wrote this, we've got the surrounding of Jerusalem and the saving of Jerusalem, then we've got this. What in the world is this? And how does God, does God change his mind? I mean, I thought God knew everything, past, present, future, so how could God change his mind? Very, very interesting. So let's focus on that. Take your Bible guide, turn to it today, and as we do so, let's think about this. If you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on it. It'll take you to a page where you can download it just like this and you're seconds away. Seconds away. As we talk about to live. To live. I'm not talking about the fountain of youth like the movies are made. I'm talking about the reality of Jesus Christ giving us eternal life. That's very different. So, Father, today we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would help us to see your word. Help us to understand that while we perceive our lives as finite, those of us who are Christians recognize that our lives are infinite as we serve God. Infinite means it doesn't have an end. Wow. That means we have a lot to learn. We have a lot of time to learn it. So help us, Lord, to see the reality of eternal life. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we said together, amen. Isn't that something when we think about that, eternal life? Let's read the scripture. We're talking about Isaiah 38, 1 to 3. Watch this. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. 
And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. He didn't know this. Hezekiah wept bitterly for his life before the Lord. You see, our merciful God responds when we cry out to him in desperation. When God hears our prayer, it's because we're really praying. What does that mean to really pray? It means that you're really focused on God. You're saying, oh Lord, I need your help right now. (laughs) You're not just spewing out words so everybody can hear you, but you're really praying. Lord, this is serious. I got to pray. That's important. That's desperation. That's when God hears us, beloved. And as we continue to pray, God will send an answer to those prayers. Maybe not when we think, but at the time, he answers every single prayer we pray to the order of the Holy Spirit. All right. Isaiah chapter 38, verses 48 says, And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, This is Isaiah's walking out now. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, go and tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city. And this is the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. Behold, I will bring the shadow on the sundial, which has gone down with the sun on the sundial of Ahaz, 10 degrees backward. So the sun returned 10 degrees on the dial by which it had gone down. God did a miracle. Sometimes God provides a sign for us. We should pay attention to what the Lord is saying by how he helps us. When God helps us, there are times when he does things that only we know. And you think to yourself, how in the world is that possible? Well, it's not because that's God doing it. And so, beloved, God speaks to us. When we pray, when we, when he answers our prayers, when he he speaks to us, I'm telling you, it is delightful and it's wonderful. And there are sometimes God speaks to us and we're not to speak it to anybody else. We just know and ponder it in our heart. We know it in our heart. Amen and amen. Very interesting. All right, let's go on. 9 to 16. This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. I said, in the prime of my life, I shall go to the gates of Sheol, death, and I am deprived of the remainder of my years. I said, I shall not see Yah, the Lord, in the land of the living. I shall observe man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. I have cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from the loom. From day until night, you make an end of time or end of me. I have considered until morning like a lion, 
So he breaks all of my bones from day until night. You make an end of me like a crane or a swallow. So I chattered. I mourned like a dove. My eyes failed from looking upward. Oh Lord, I am oppressed. Under, undertake for me. What shall I say? He has both spoken to me and he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. Look at that. In all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live. Concluding with this, we always learn from God's touch. It is good for us to remember the ways God has healed and helped us in this life. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And today my focus is on Isaiah chapter 40, where the prophet prophesies about the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. And there's no question surrounding who this prophecy is about because the New Testament explicitly connects this prophecy with John the Baptist. And so today, we're going to examine the life of this godly man. Let's study. John the Baptist has been accurately described as an imposing figure in the opening pages of the New Testament, wearing coarse camel's hair and leather, eating locusts and wild honey, shouting at the top of his lungs in a wilderness place to the penitents and curious. John leaps out of the gospel pages as a frightening first figure of a new age. He rants of the coming judgment when the unjust will be destroyed. He demands conversion. He washes those who have begun to change their lives. And he is ultimately beheaded by a ruler who would not repent. John the Baptist inaugurates the good news of God's kingdom like a champagne bottle shattered against the hull of a new ship. John's birth had been foretold centuries earlier by the prophet Isaiah, who described him as the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and one who would prepare the way of the Lord, and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It would be the angel Gabriel who would announce the coming fulfillment of this prophecy to John's unsuspecting parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was a priest, and Elizabeth, a relative of Jesus' mother Mary, was of the daughters of Aaron, and the boy would be a miracle child, since Elizabeth was barren, and both she and her husband were elderly. Gabriel also revealed to them that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in the womb, and that he would go before the promised Messiah in the spirit and power of Elijah. John was to be extremely unique. In fact, as one author quips, if God wanted to draw a crowd before introducing his son to the world, John the Baptist was a great choice. Crowd appeal was guaranteed, given John's creative blend of qualities. Indeed, although most sons would follow in their father's footsteps to the priesthood, John became a monk-like prophet, who fully embraced the wilderness life. He also began baptizing people in the Jordan River, 
earning him the moniker John the Baptizer. He apparently adapted the idea from the Jewish practice of taking a ritual bath to purify oneself for worship. On one occasion, as John was preaching and baptizing, he saw Jesus coming towards him and exclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Though John perhaps had suspected all along that his own relative was the Messiah, he now knew for certain. Any further doubt was removed when the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus after his baptism. Though Jesus' path had now been made straight, John continued on with his ministry. However, when he later confronted King Herod about his incestuous relationship with his brother's wife Herodias, Herod threw him into prison. Soon after this, Herodias conspired to have John executed and for his head to be brought out on a silver platter for display. Though John died before his 40th birthday, his mission had been accomplished. So in closing out this segment, I just want to summarize by quoting a Christian commentator regarding John the Baptist, because what he says is right on. He says, Jews were expecting a Messiah, a hero to lead Israel back to God and back to international glory like King David did a thousand years earlier. But before the Messiah came, they expected a prophet to prepare the way. And John saw himself as that man, and he was that man. And if God wanted to draw a crowd before introducing his son to the world, John the Baptist was a great choice. Crowd appeal was guaranteed given John's creative blend of qualities. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Um, crowd appeal is not something that I would put on that, yet it is something that's very relevant. And it's true. It was crowd appeal. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. You know, I mean, I don't know what he'd have today, but uh, he definitely would have the uniqueness of mm -hmm. John the Baptist if he showed up today. Very, very interesting, Ryan. Thank you. Corey. All right. Well, <laughs> um, Mom and I were talking uh, when, when we were kind of discussing what we should go over today. And we were in Isaiah chapter 30, and it both jumped out at us, you know, when um, Hezekiah was really, really ill, King Hezekiah. And, and the prophet Isaiah goes to Hezekiah and tells him that he's going to die, that God has told him, you know, you're going to die. And Hezekiah's immediate reaction is to pray. Verse two and three says this, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And of course, we know that that this, this whole illness was an opportunity for God to save and heal Hezekiah so that Hezekiah could understand and have faith, really trust God to also save Jerusalem in the coming Assyrian invasion. But it struck me that God did remember what Hezekiah did, but we can also remember what Hezekiah did, not just from the Bible, but there's there's physical evidence of his religious reforms that has that have come to us through archaeology. And some of the dating of this is debated, but here is some of the evidence for the religious reforms of Hezekiah. So um, Oded Borowski famously uh, did uh, you know a paper talking about the evidence for Hezekiah's uh, reforms, and he points to four cities that he takes evidence from: Beersheba, Arad, Tel Halif. And Lachish. I'm just going to look at Beersheba, Arad, and Lachish. 
At Beersheba, archaeologists have found a destroyed four-horned altar. So its horns were lopped off, the symbols of its power were lopped off, and it was found in secondary use as building material in a storehouse that dates to the time period of Hezekiah. So probably on the order of Hezekiah, not only was it the, the high place wasted, but then the materials were reused to be useful because good stone is hard to come by sometimes. Then at uh, Arad, there, they found a temple that was intentionally filled in with dirt. So perhaps this temple was used to worship Yahweh. So rather than being destroyed, it was filled and sealed. Uh, interesting. Then at Lachish, uh, we have... <clears throat> Um, and this actually comes from uh, researchers Ganor and Kremerman. From they excavated from 2013 to 2017, if I'm remembering my dates correctly, at Lachish, and they excavated one of the gate complexes. I think the southern gate complex, and they unearthed a gate shrine. So this was really common in the ancient world to have shrines at the gates of the city. But again, the horns of the altar had been completely chopped off, like intentionally lopped off. And um, in the area that would have represented the Holy of Holies of the gate shrine, a toilet had been placed there. It's believed that it was never used, but it would have been used to desecrate it so that it would not have been seen as an appropriate place to ever worship again. And what's really interesting is we see this practice back in 2 Kings chapter 10 when Jehu uh, tears down the temple of Baal. Uh, in 2 Kings 10 verse 27, it says this, they demolished the sacred stone of Baal and tore down the temple of Baal and people have used it as a latrine to this day. So there was a, there was a history of doing things of this nature to desecrate pagan shrines in both Israel and Judah. So I just think it's interesting that there's, not only did God remember Hezekiah, mm -hmm. but we can, there's physical remembrances that have been, that have lasted thousands, thousands of, years of years for us to remember Hezekiah as well. And you know what? Our lives. So there's a couple of areas that I want to kind of slip into sure. as well from that. Our lives become a testimony. Mm -hmm. You know, when we're gone, when, you know, we graduate to heaven and we're gone here on the earth, what we have done can live on in the hearts of our children mm -hmm. and our friends. And, but it's the work of Christ in our life that makes this difference. Hezekiah here knows that his life is going to come to an end and he prays to the Lord. But then we see in verse five, God has heard him and he tells Isaiah to go back and talk to Hezekiah and say, I have heard your prayer. Yeah. Imagine that God has heard his prayer. The final decision in our life is the work of Christ in us. We can do all of these good things. But that doesn't earn our salvation, does it? No. It's the work of God. And Hezekiah also needed to recognize that in his life at that time. And, mm -hmm. and I remember you and I talking about that, that element of it that we kind of forgot just as we went to take. <laughs> that element of Hezekiah was going to be facing yeah. enormous yes. challenges that he could have never known at this point. And he needed to know that his prayers and going to God was what made the difference. Yeah, and he, it was effective. It was effective. Mm -hmm. And he, he recognized that when God said, I'm going to take your life, get your house in order, that that meant something mm -hmm. that he needed to, to 
take note. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing that he did was to go to God in, in humbleness and say, I, I've, I've lived for you, you know, and he, he comes to him and it says he wept bitterly. Mm-hmm. This wasn't a just, oh, well, you know, whatever. He, he really meant it, mm-hmm. but it's that work, that finishing work of God in us is what makes the difference. Mm-hmm. It's, and, and when we, I mean, all throughout the time period of the Kings, we see God so responsive to repentance. Yes. And it continues on <laughs> into the new time. I mean, even Ahab, who was super evil, that one time he repented, God goes, okay. Yeah. I know. All right. I, you, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be destroyed right now. Mm-hmm. What? Yes. Like, this was that amazing was... grace, right? Yeah. It all through the time period of the Kings. Mm. And then that, that pushes forward into the time period of the New Testament where, I mean, our reading today also covers Isaiah chapter 40 that, that Ryan spoke of how it looks forward to John the Baptist. And mm. John the Baptist, what's his <laughs> message? After 400 yeah. years of silence, the message is the same. Repent. 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 Mm-hmm. He, he said, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. What's that highway of God? Well, John said it's repentance. Right. When you repent, God then can do He's saving work in your life. Mm-hmm. And it was the same in the Old Testament, the same in the New Testament. Granted, it looked a little bit different because it was pre-Christ. And now it looks a little bit different because it's post-Christ. But the recipe is the same. Same. Right? Repentance, Repentance and calling out to God is effectual. It's very effective. <laughs> and when we call out to God, as Hezekiah did in his desperation, yeah. knowing that he was a mortal man, mm-hmm. he was coming to God and God heard him. Mm-hmm said to Isaiah, go back and tell him. Mm. That is a merciful and amazing God. He's faithful even when we are not always. Isn't that the Always, truth? always, always. Praise God for that. Seriously. Mm. This has been a great discussion. I've just been listening. It's been excellent. <laughs> uh, so it is very, very important. Let's continue to study the Bible as we focus on on the program, and uh, we learn so much from Hezekiah, and all of this is from the book of Isaiah. So as we study the prophets, we get all of the prophetic messages, but then these messages are in there too. So let's study on. You know, Israel is a nation of God, named by God in Genesis. It is an amazing place, and we need to pray for it. Father, I pray for Israel. Psalm 122 says, pray for Jerusalem. We pray for Jerusalem. We pray for peace there, and we pray that you would protect it. Help the people there and the Christians there and all of those who live in Israel. Be with them, keep them strong, touch them. Thank you, Lord. 
In Jesus' name, amen.